Amen. Good morning, good morning. Glad you're with us this morning. We are, have been working our way through the book of Revelation. And last week we had to make some, some changes as I was preaching. I was kind of running low on time. It's a, it's a preacher thing. It happens on occasion. Uh, I had to jump to the end of my notes instead of uh, giving you the whole, uh, the whole barrel. I, I ended up having to jump to the end of my notes and I just really felt uh, encouraged this morning to go back before worship and I want to share a few thoughts with you from last week's sermon that we didn't get to. So before worship this morning, and then we're going to do a little different, everything's just a little different. You know what they told me one time back in the, back in the, in my office we meet for about 10 minutes before the service starts, and somebody said, if you keep getting up and doing something different, you can't even say you're doing something different because it's always different, there's nothing the same. So that's kind of my goal in life. I said that last week as we, um, as we were going through the scripture when I preached that when Adam sinned in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, that he handed his authority over to Satan, right? That now we call, according to Scripture, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. He's often called the god of this world. And Jesus came to redeem us from that. So now because of Adam's sin in Genesis chapter 3, we're talking about Adam eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, eating from that tree of forbidden fruit, he, he handed that authority over. And I shared just briefly last week, but this is, this is such an important part for us to understand, that when, when Adam sinned, he gave authority to the devil. And so the devil had, has a level of authority in the earth in particular before Jesus came he had quite a bit more authority in the book of Matthew when Jesus just began his ministry he's just getting started and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and most of you are going to know the answer to this but what do you suppose his condition was after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights he was he was hungry probably tired a little bit weak but he was hungry. And I want to read this to you out of Matthew chapter 4 because I think this is very important for us to understand when we talk about what Christ has done on our behalf. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and he said, If you're the Son of God... Tell these stones to become bread. Do you suppose Jesus could have done that? I believe he could have done that, right? His creator. He spoke and the earth came into existence. I believe he could have done that. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city, and he had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, and you will not strike your foot against a stone. Do you suppose Jesus could have jumped off the temple there and not been injured? Yeah. Probably could have, right? They claim that that temple wall is actually pretty fascinating. It overlooks the Kidron Valley. And so this wall is several stories high. And from what I've read, it, it, it sounds like it's probably a close to a 300-foot drop. 
from that wall down this Kidron Valley. It's a pretty big deal. Here's the one I wanted to get to. <clears throat> Jesus took the, uh, uh, and again, Jesus answered him and said, it's written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Do you think he had the authority to give that? Do you think the devil had the authority to give Jesus all, the, all, the, all those cities of the world? He owned them, right? He was given authority. I believe he, he did. As a matter of fact, at no point does Jesus here call him a liar. I just want to point this out because this is critical. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left and the angels came and attended him. Jesus, instead of even addressing that promise. Now, I believe that according to scripture, the devil is a liar and he's the father of all, of all lies and he probably was lying. He probably wasn't going to give it to him, but he had the authority to give that to Jesus. And Jesus turned it immediately to worship. He immediately turned that to worship. I'm not going to worship you. I'm not going to do that. Here's the other point. What happens here is, come on up, Bear. I just, I got to do this. I don't, I'm, we're, I'm, we're, we're just flying by the seat of our pants this morning, so hang on. Okay, so, so Adam sins. We've done this before. Adam sins. I'm going to need this back, by the way. I'm going to have to actually read it in a few minutes. Adam sins, and when he does, he gives the devil the, the deed to, to the earth. He gives him the property deed to the earth. And now the devil tempts Jesus in this. Any way you look at it, he keeps getting called the devil. So I'm sorry about that. I apologize. Uh, I'm going to play the role part of Adam and give that away, and then I'm going to come back as Jesus. And, and so now he tempts Jesus. He's got the deed. He tempts Jesus. He said, if you will just worship me, I'll give you all these big cities back. Right? And and Jesus could have taken that. But you realize if he had taken that, he would have shortcut the process. Right? No suffering. No pain. No torment. No torture. No salvation. Who said it? No redemption. Redemption would not have taken place. Had Jesus instead he said, get out of here. I do need that back. You can sit down, but I do need this back. I'm going to need it in just a few minutes. No redemption would have been accomplished for us. I saw a video the other day, and this lady asked this guy, she said, so if this God that you love is, is such a good God, why is he sending people to hell? And he looked at her and he said, you're asking the wrong question. You see, the reality is God isn't sending anyone to hell, Right? God isn't sending anyone to hell. Here's the truth. He said, it's kind of like this. You're on a ship, and the ship is sinking, and somebody pays to get lifeboats and to get rescue out there. It's up to you if you want to get off that sinking ship and step into the lifeboat, because the ship is going down regardless. This whole world is going down regardless. God doesn't have to do anything. Adam sinned, sin birthed death. Death came on the earth, and now... We're all condemned because of that. Jesus paid the price to get us off the ship. 
So listen what happens when redemption is offered to people. According to Ephesians chapter one, this is, this is one of my favorite passages in all of scriptures, Ephesians chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people. He said, I'm talking to the church now. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer, actually what he says, the faithful in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Did you know that? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you know that? Yes. Yeah, uh, 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 uh. Not here. Do you know it here? Yes. Are you walking in every spiritual blessing in Christ? It goes on. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He chose us, you and me. It goes on. He chose us to be holy and blameless. How's that going for you? Some days better than others, you know, if you're like me. Somebody's slow and you're going to pass them. There might not be a holier, blameless moment in there. Happen if you're driving a little car right now that'll go from 65 to about 105, just about that quick. You know, I gotta, gotta keep that in check. He predestined us for adoption to sonhood through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and his will. It's God's will, it's his good pleasure, Corey, that you be adopted as a son through Jesus Christ. It is, uh, here on Father's Day, it's his good pleasure pleasure that you would be adopted as a son into the family of God to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given the ones that he loves in him we have redemption through his blood had the had the enemy deceived Jesus had Jesus said you know what I'm going to take this there would not have been any redemption because there was no shedding of blood instead we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. How many of you are, how many of you have ever sinned? <laughs> come on, come on, you got to acknowledge this. We're all sinners, right? Even the ones of you holding on to your coffee cup with both hands going, I'm not sure, he's going to call me up, I'm not sure, what do I do with this one? We're all sinners, we were born in sin, it's who we are. Because we're Adam's children and he sinned. He gave away the farm. We're born into sin. But because of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Have you ever been, anybody ever lavished anything on you? Like, I mean, like just poured it on. Like just lavished love on you. Lavished grace on you. It's hard for us to grab a hold of that, right? Well, I love you, really? I love you. No, you don't. Well, I love you. Yeah, but what? God just lavished his grace. His, you, you need grace? I got grace for you. You need grace? You need grace. I got grace for you. That's not enough grace? Let me give you some more grace. You really need grace. I remember you when you were a kid. You really need grace. God's just going to keep dumping his grace on us. Why? Because he loves us. He's redeemed us. 
If we're followers of him, that's who Paul's talking to, is the followers. He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. What was his will? His will is that we would accept his love. His will is that he paid the price for us. His will is that we'd be his sons and his daughters to be put into effect when times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things under heaven and earth in Christ. Are we seeing unity in all things under heaven and earth yet? Not even close, right? That day's coming. That day's coming. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's in his word. In order that we were the first to put our hope in Christ might for the praise of his might be for the praise of his glory. You were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed and you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's, God's possession to the praise of his glory. Basically what he's saying is at some point this grace was appointed on us. At some point, his mercy was revealed to us. And when we grabbed hold of that mercy and we said, I'll take care of it, then God sealed the deal. He's like, boom, I'm gonna put a seal on you. You're only gonna get a piece of it now. But when eternity rolls around, you're gonna get the whole deal. You're only gonna get a piece of it now. But when he looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees, sees you through Christ. He sees Christ first. So when eternity rolls around, he's not gonna see Cheryl. He's gonna see Christ, and he's going to pour out that whole, the whole gift. We're going to walk in a peace. We're going to walk in a joy. We're going to walk in a life. And all that happened because Christ chose to pay the price. I want us to understand something. He did not have to choose to do that for you. He didn't have to choose to do it for me. Some people say, well, why do we come to church and sing songs and worship? I'll tell you why. It's because he's worthy. He paid the price. He paid the price. What does salvation mean to us? What is it worth to us? He paid the price. Saved from what, Pastor? What are we saved from? We're saved from his wrath. That's what we're saved from. We're saved from his wrath, let alone my stupidity. I mean, I, just on a daily basis, I need God's grace so I don't do something dumb. And I, that doesn't work all the time. But ultimately, we're saved from his wrath. For God so loved the world, John three sixteen and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 17, for God did not send his son into the world to sink the ship, wait a minute, or condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him gets in the lifeboat. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. The ship is going down. If you just look around, all you gotta do is look around. Look around. Our world system the way our governance works, every government. I'm not just talking Republicans and Democrats. I'm talking about the world system. It's going to fail. It's going to fail. That ship is going down, right? Maybe it's just me. If you don't believe that, I challenge you. Just go ahead and watch the news for a little while. 
Don't do that. That'll mess up your day. But you look at what's going on in the world around us. People breaking into schools and killing little kids. Shootings here and there because they hate. Wars here and there. All this, this world system is going down. It is not staying afloat. Every one of us feels it at some level, whether it's, whether it's divorce or whether it's, it's uh, uh, breakups, whether it's uh, death, whether it's cancer, whether it's sickness, what, whatever it is, this world system, that's not how God created it to function. It's a fallen world, and it is going down. We have the opportunity, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, not because of anything God did, but because of what we have not done. Because of what we have not done. Anyone who asks, how could, how could God send them anybody to hell? I think it's just really asking the wrong question. And we get a picture of what Christ, you know, we talk on Good Friday about what Christ went through on our behalf. I have a passage of scripture I want to read. It's not up on the screen. It's from the book of Isaiah. I just want you to listen to this. Because we read it way too fast. We don't, we don't think about it. We, if we've heard it before, we, just, we go through it. We see it on a card at Easter or, or whatever, and we don't think about it. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our sufferings. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Transgressions are outward sins. That's what that word is referring to as an outward sin and he was broken he was pierced he was he was beaten for our sins he was bruised for our iniquities iniquity is our tendency to sin so Jesus even paid for our tendency to sin the punishment that brought us peace was on him by his wounds were healed we all like sheep have gone astray each one of us has turned to our own ways And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Speaking of Jesus, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before the shears, in silent, he did not open his mouth. And we go back to the passage of scripture I used last week. In Revelation chapter 5, because here's a picture of the Lamb. John says in Revelation 5, Then I saw in his right hand, in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll, writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. He's got a scroll. God has a scroll rolled up. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look at it, look inside of it. And I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or to look inside. And then one of the elders said to me, do not weep, see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. This is Christ. 
looking as if he'd been slain. Why? Because he had. He had taken our punishment. He'd taken your punishment and mine. We deserved punishment for our sin. And he took it. Standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and elders, and the Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures, we talked about this last week as angels, and the four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy, you are worthy to take the scroll and open up its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God. With his blood, he purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. What, what, what John is saying is this lamb that was beaten, was bruised, you can almost imagine from what we've talked about when, when Christ was, was bruised, when he was beaten. We've talked about this so much in, the, in the Good Friday. The, the cat of nine tails would have been a, a leather whip about 18 inches long and the, the lictor would, would take that thing and go over his shoulder and, and when the lead and the glass would, would grab hold of his skin, it'd peel it back and there would have been shreds. And here stands that lamb before God because he paid for the price and he's like, I can open those scrolls because I paid the price. And in the process of that, paying for the price, paying the price for what? For our sin, for the sin of Adam that we all walk in. He paid for that so you and I do not have to accept eternal damnation, eternal punishment. He's worthy. And he opens the scrolls, and as I shared last week, I believe he, he is purchasing back the rights on earth Then I heard every creature in heaven and under the earth, on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and all of them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, praise and honor, glory and power forever and ever. The living creature said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. We talk about worship. And we come on a Sunday morning and it's hot outside and it's Father's Day and you got brisket on the smoker or you've got company coming over you got ribs and her mind is in a hundred different places and do I need to stop and pick up chips or pop or what do I need on the way home and yet he is worthy of our praise he is worthy of our worship because he paid the price for our sin he paid that He paid it. He paid it. He's worthy of it. He's the only one. He stood before the Father. How did did that beating, how did that qualify? The the reason that beating qualified, that's him being the one, is he's the only one who had not sinned. There was not a legal right for the enemy to take him. God created us to last forever. We're we're actually created as eternal beings, and we're, we're fallen because of sin, we've learned how to die and we've done it really well. If you look in the Old Testament, people were living six, seven, eight hundred years. We've figured out how to do it in 50. We've become really efficient. 
we eat all kinds of junk. We, we don't exercise. We, 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 you know, the doctor told me I had to get in shape. I said, pear is a shape. <laughs> We've gotten very efficient at this thing. And the enemy loves it. But Jesus paid the price so we could live forever. And he's worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our worship. I have a video this morning. I'm going to ask the guys to shut off the lights. I'm going to introduce this. This is a call and response. It's, uh, I think it's Michael W. Smith. It's a call and response. And the, the title of it is, Is He Worthy? And if you can sit here and not respond, you're a better person than I am because as they begin to sing this, you just, you just want to respond. Is, do we see the world going to hell in a handbasket? Hand we do. Do we want to see it restored? We do. If you feel like standing and, and singing along with this, you feel free to do that. Our worship team is going to come up shortly after that. So when our worship team comes up, I'm not going to come back. I am going to preach another sermon. It's because it's Father Day. I'm going to give you a two-for-one special today. But we, we went through this so quickly last week. There is, a, there is such a truth in him being worthy. He is worthy. He is ultimately worthy of our praise. I want to tell you something. God has just put this on my heart in the last couple of weeks. Everything else, everything else is a distraction. Everything else just takes me away from that. He is worthy. Go ahead and hit that.
Cause this is 